Good afternoon. Welcome to St. Andrew's Radio. My name is Leah and you're listening to Eco-Activist Journeys. I'm a third-year sustainable development and international relations student at the University at St. Andrews. And yeah, wow, what a week it has been, um, especially since my last radio show. So yeah, just a lot of things to update on. Um, I've now officially elected as a new environment officer at the Student Association. And on Wednesday, I hosted my like official St. Andrew's book launch of like Dear Earth with the university principal and Stephen Gethins and so many special guests that joined me for the occasion, which was kind of like a mind-blowing once-in-a-lifetime experience as well. Like, I don't know, I was quite like, honestly overwhelmed by it a little bit, but it was so special and I feel very very grateful for everyone who supported me on this journey and the kind feedback I've gotten about my book but yeah and then obviously of course all the other things that are happening in the world at the moment which we'll get into as well but yeah to start off today I'm joined in the studio by Kristen Emma and Kristen is a functional health uh, medicine certified health coach who's passionate about sustainability soil and human relation relations and interactions with the earth and she's also the uni hall warden which is how I know her and I feel very grateful that this year I end up in the hall with a warden that is also very passionate about sustainability and yeah so supportive of um, what I'm doing as well and I am very excited that we finally have the opportunity to do the radio show together and talk about sustainability and health. Um, so, yeah, welcome, Kristen. And, yeah, and would you mind starting off telling us a bit more about yourself and your journey into environmentalism? Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show, Leah. Um, this is a treat. I've never been on a radio show before, so this is really exciting for me. Um, yeah, so Leah and I got to know each other when she rocked up to my hall <laughs> at the beginning of the year and I was like, this woman knows like she looks what she's doing and yeah. So it's blossomed from there, but, um, a little bit about my story. So my background is all in student affairs and higher education, which basically means, uh, the non-academic side of universities. And that's what I went to study in. And I ended up working in, in student affairs. Um, but I think before that, something that's even more important, I don't know why I started with that, but I think what's more important to that is without giving you the long story is that I grew up in a really rural area in the United States in Wisconsin. Um, so I claim a farm as my home, although I didn't grow up directly on a farm. My grandparents did, and I spent tons of my time out there. Um, and then eventually went to do my undergrad also in Wisconsin because as a small town kid, I didn't want to venture too far from home. Um, and then, yeah, then I went and I, I found myself in student affairs. So um, from that, I ended up uh, in from Colorado, which is where I did my master's degree, I ended up coming to Scotland because the, the man I married uh, wanted to do a PhD in Scotland. And so we moved here and we ended up in this really peculiar place called Fife, <laughs> which happens to be almost like the county that I grew up in, <laughs> which is very rural, rolling hills. I remember the first time in St. Andrews when I uh, saw a John Deere tractor strolling down the street and I thought, wow, like this is bringing me back. Um, and so in, in living here, I was exposed to all kinds of things that I was actually exposed to my childhood, uh, exposed to in my childhood, but things that I so wanted to run away from because I just hated living in a small town. I couldn't stand it anymore. So ended up in St. Andrews, um, and realized, oh, actually this, this rural community and this rural life is really important to how we live our daily lives, no matter where we are in the world. Um, and 
it was about that time that I started thinking through, well, you know, what is it that I actually want to do with my life? Um, I work in a career center, so I asked other people that question all day long. Um, and I thought, well, what about me? What do I want to do? And, and this idea of health and wellness came to mind and I got really excited and, um, thought, yeah, I actually do want to explore that. It's always been a bit of a theme in my life and I really do want to explore that. So I did an online certification for, health coaching, functional medicine, health coaching, um, through the Institute for Functional Medicine, they have, um, a functional medicine coaching academy, which is all kinds of jumble in there. Um, but essentially what that means is that, well, talk a bit about functional medicine. So what functional medicine is, it is a root cause approach to healthcare. So most traditionally in healthcare, uh, or what we, what we think of as more of our modern care, I suppose, is, is conventional medicine, which is you have a symptom. And so we're going to treat that symptom, um, whether that's pain or a runny nose or, um, you know, whatever that is. And that works really, really well when we have an emergency, when we break our arm or when we have some really complicated situation that we can't quite figure out, um, our modern medicine can be super helpful for that. However, um, we know that probably eight, between 80 and 90% of all of the, the things that people go into the doctor for, all the ailments that people go into the doctor for are actually chronic disease and they're autoimmune diseases and they're, they're actually lifestyle diseases and mm-hmm. not, um, from a, a virus or it's not because you broke your arm or it's not because you have something wrong with an organ. Um, and so functional medicine is really saying, well, how can you actually change the environment? How can you change the lifestyle to become healthier? Now, if you were to go to a doctor and they would say, uh, okay, so you need to exercise more and you need to eat less of this and more of this. And, oh, you really need to reduce your stress. Most people would go, well, how on earth do I do that? And that is where a health coach comes in. So a health coach is a person who helps people understand how is it that in your unique lifestyle, you can make some of these lifestyle changes in order to be healthier. Uh, and so that's what I, I really do. Um, now, what I've come to the conclusion of with my whole story and this health coaching and health is that our earth is incredibly important Mm. as to how healthy we are as humans. Mm. Um, We can only be as healthy as, as our, our planet is healthy. And actually our planet gives us so many tools and gifts that keep us healthy and they give us a way to be healthy. And so that's kind of where I cross in the intersection of what I do in my functional medicine health coaching. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that because actually, yeah, so many points you mentioned, I was like, oh, this is so exciting. I want to explore further. <laughs> so luckily we have this hour to do that. But um, no, I think it's so important, especially in terms of viewing health as a more holistic approach rather than um, that's something that goes into um, into everything we do. And I think maybe seeing us less separate as the earth, because as humans, we are also the earth. And then I think we've separated quite long our, like, like the earth's well-being and our well-being from actually, yeah, from each other, mm-hmm. whereas actually we're kind of part of earth as well. Um, and yeah, obviously at the moment we're living quite like a 
anxious and uncertain times as well with you know, climate change and Brexit and industrial action at the university and now, of course, the global pandemic of like coronavirus. And I think more than ever, it really highlights the important of the importance of health and of well-being and of yeah, taking care of each other and of our earth. Um, and I yeah, I think you know our own health and the health of our planet is something that are not really that separate from each other um and yeah i'd love to hear your thoughts as well you know how how we interlink on that um and we'll be discussing that further today so um to start off just to say if any listeners have questions during the radio show or any comments you'd like to add you can log on to the buzzbox and post them and we can we'll try to answer them as well but yeah to start off how um Kristen, how do you see like the link between our own human health and like planetary health Yeah. Ooh, the big question. Um, well, you, you mentioned, you know, some of the current things that are going on today. And I hope for anyone listening, this can be maybe a bit of a reprieve from, from that type of news. And this can maybe be positive as well. Um, but I do think part of, part of what this pandemic is exposing is our own vulnerability. Mm. And perhaps what we're learning is that we as a global society, we are not as healthy as we think we are. Yeah. And I, I do think there's, you know, none of us are invincible. And I think we need to keep that in mind. However, I do think we can do a lot in terms of How do we how do we develop our own resilience within our bodies mm. um, and in our mindsets? Right, so much of health has to do with mm. our mind. Uh, oh gosh, that we could go on a <laughs> we could have a whole other radio show about that. Um, but how do we how do we put ourselves in the best environment so that when things like this come our way, we're actually resilient as as a global population, um, and that includes everybody. Like. And I know we can talk about that. We could extrapolate on that. And there might be different opinions on that. But um, I do think what can we be doing to build a healthy environment? Um, and that's within ourselves. It's also connected to the environment around us. So your question was, where on earth do our does our human health interact with, yeah. with planetary health? Now, we could take this. A number of different directions, but I think the one way that I'll really hone in on today is through agriculture. Uh, and so this is just one way, of course, that we are connected to health, but I think it's probably for our modern society, the way that we're connected to the planet most intimately is mm. through our food. I think that's actually where we're, we've always been most mm. intimately connected because if you think about it, food is, it goes in us and yeah. it determines our experience in the world and it can can really dictate what manifests within us. Mm -hmm. And that food, of course, comes from the ground. So let's talk about that for a little bit. So yeah. um, I'm going to start talking a bit about sort of the pillars of functional medicine, and then I'll talk about regenerative agriculture, and then I'll, I'll talk about where they converge, okay? So just so you know where we're going. Um, so functional medicine has five, I like to say probably six pillars that it sits on. And that is your food. Number one, we talked about food. So are you eating a whole foods diet? Now I know there are lots of diet wars out there and people have lots of thoughts about, um, what's the best thing to be eating and what's not. And I think there are lots of cases to be made for lots of different diets. I would say, what's the thing that's bringing you the most life and follow where life is um, in that. And I'm not a dietitian, so I cannot, 
I'm not going to tell anybody what the best diet is. That's not for me to decide. It's for, for individuals to decide. Um, on behalf of the collective. And I think, you know, I went to Leah's book launch and that was one of the things that I think a message that was given very clearly was uh, we have a collective responsibility to be done individually. Mm. Um, so we can all make our individual choices yeah. um, that matter collectively. So our food um, can really, again, dictate our experience in the world. The second one is our movement. And so how is it that we are moving and getting around? I don't like to use the word exercise because I think it's really limiting. Leah and I both live in St. Andrews. And when you live in St. Andrews, you walk everywhere. <laughs> yeah, um, I sometimes get sad going home. Sorry, mom and dad. I get sad <laughs> going home because back in America, everyone drives everywhere because everything is so far away. Um, and even if you're in a very small town or village, you drive. Um, and so I love living in St. Andrews and getting to walk everywhere. Now that is my commute, but it's also mm. movement. Um, but so is swimming and so is dancing. And so is all, are all these other things that bring people a lot of joy. And so mm. we can't um, discredit those yeah. if we think about how do we go to a gym. And I think for some people, I mean, this is not for everyone, exercise can have like a little bit of like a difficult or negative commentation yeah. as well. Even though, you know, it's so much of what we do. It's like, yeah, it's walking, it's dancing, it's cycling. It's it's so many of those different things. Okay. And we need to find way like find a way like what sounds what what speaks to us and what gives us like joy and then kind of follow that path. Totally. So uh, that's food and, and movement and then it's reducing stress. And I know right now stress responses are high as ever. Um, 90% of visits to doctors have to do with stress. It's it's crazy how much stress actually manifests in the body. Like yes. I, I know this is like as well, obviously, because uh, I mean, as a student and as an activist, the, you encounter stress, a lot of things going on, especially in St. Andrews. There's always stuff that is happening in this little town, um, which does make it a very special place to live in as well. But of course... There are a lot of yeah stimuli and responses in how yeah just stresses from the outside world in terms of like how you should be living your life what you should be doing and like yeah what your role is in terms of and that what you want to do so there's a lot of things like that can cause stress mm -hmm. and it's I think an easy thing to say almost like oh let's reduce stress because that can sound very like oh simple but then can be very difficult yes, of course absolutely uh, but so important because. Honestly, like, I don't know. For me personally, for example, if I'm stressed, like, I can feel it in my stomach. I can feel it everywhere, pretty much. So it's our mental well-being is so intricately linked to our, like, That's physical right. well-being. So. Yeah. So um, maybe in a bit I'll talk about the gut-brain axis. Yeah. And that it does have something to do with this. But um, I think what people don't realize – well, let me back up. We all have the ability – the natural ability to, to control our stress in any given situation. And the way we do that is through our breath. And we have this beautiful thing called our lungs that will help us breathe in and out. Um, and what that breathing does, it affects what's called your vagus nerve. And so your vagus nerve is this nerve that runs from your brain down all the way through your stomach and down through your body. Um, or the, the sort of torso of your body. And it's really a signal to your body as to how well you're doing. Mm. And if you can control that vagus nerve and, and how it's inter basically vibrating in, through your body, um, you can actually tell yourself, 
hey, everything's okay here and we can relax. And you can do that through your breath, which I think is amazing. But breath yes, is, yeah. breath is such that's why it's it used in yoga and yeah. meditation because if you start to just to stop and just take a deep breath and actually like things no not that like like you start to immediately feel better. Like it is actually quite incredible. That's right. So I would say too that like stress has a big impact on our immune system. So that's mm. really important to know today on what I've been living hour by hour here a, minute, a little 13. bit. The the 13th <laughs> of March at 3.17 p.m. St. Andrew's time. Um, a very important message here is, is that our stress response in our body produces what's called inflammation and inflammation can lower our immune response. And mm -hmm. so that could be really detrimental as we're thinking about how do we, how do we maintain resilience through our life? Yeah. And very relevant to what's happening at the moment, because obviously with things like, like pandemics, like the coronavirus, there's a lot of like media explosion around it, but then you have to be careful as well that you don't start stressing too much about it because yep. you need to take care of your body and your immune system. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes. And so everybody will find their own ways to reduce their own stress. For some, actually, I think for many, like getting off of social media or like turning off the TV, turn off the news is one of the ways that you reduce stress. I took off all the notifications on my phone and that radically changed how I, I experienced stress throughout the day. Um, for some people, yoga is a lifesaver for others. It is kind of a stressful environment. Um, and so it is really thinking through what are the things that are going to help you maintain a level of calm. Um, our stress response isn't bad. It serves a purpose, but when yeah. you maintain your stress, yeah. that's when it becomes I mean, there's a harmful. place for it. That's why it's in our body. Totally. You know? We need to respond to, to situations, but I think in our modern day life, our bodies almost mistaken some of the stress responses that in the past would have been for life threatening situations, that's right. for situations that are actually not that bad. Yep. Totally. So. so that's number three. Um, number four is our relationships. So there are some functional medicine doctors who will say that everything is communicable. Communicable. Is that the right word? Yeah. So everything, we think about communicable diseases. And basically the idea is that everything is because we are so influenced by the people around us and the decisions that are being made around us that if you are around people who have healthy lifestyles, the likelihood of you having a healthy lifestyle is so much greater. Mm -hmm. And the ramifications of that, the positive ramifications of that um, are abounding. Mm -hmm. So our relationships really matter. Um, they can also be really connected to the way we experience stress as well mm -hmm. for those relationships where there might not be great boundaries or there, there might be some tough situations within mm -hmm. that. Um, so that's number four. And then number five is sleep. <laughs> the most underrated of all dear university students <laughs> i am telling you that sleep is not overrated and this is coming from someone who used to say sleep when you're dead uh, because i just think life is so exciting mm -hmm. and i love to experience it uh i've realized recently that sleep affects literally everything else so not getting sleep affects the way we experience hunger it expects um it affects the way that we uh, manage our stress or work through stress. We're resilient to stress. It has detrimental effects. If we're sleep deprived, detrimental effects mm. on hormone and hormone balance, which we know for both men and women, the your hormone balance is incredibly important to literally everything in your mm. body. Every function in your body is, is hinges on the way we, mm. our hormones are. So 
Our sleep is yeah. so, so, so important. I was actually listening, or well, I'm still listening to a podcast called, I think, Habits for Happiness. I just stumbled across and I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. Um, and then there was one episode which was um, Sleep Your Way to Happiness. I'm yep. talking about like the yep. importance of sleep for our well-being. Yeah. So yeah. good. I need to work on that I one mean, as well. I mean, it's a simple <laughs> test, right? Like think about if you wake up and you've gotten a great night of sleep and you go see some of your friends, you're like much more excited to be there. Yeah. If you don't get a lot of sleep you're lethargic people probably irritate you a little bit more um and so it's really easy to see that so that's the fifth and then my bonus sixth <laughs> is uh environmental toxins and we know that there are thousands upon thousands of environmental toxins that we come in contact with every single day and that is through our makeup that's a huge one. It's through deodorants, it's through lotions, so body care products, it's mm. through um it's through chemicals that are sprayed on lawns and in parks. It's in our food and you know, some of the things that we're eating. And so we come into contact with environmental toxins all over the place. Mm. Um we had new carpet put into our home and it keeps shedding and it's kind of making me anxious, which, okay, we could go back to stress response. Um, <laughs> but you think about the things in our home are actually yeah. can be quite toxic. And so um, there's something called the body burden. And if you've not heard of that before, what basically what that says is that we have a level of um, kind of like a bullshit tolerance to to environmental toxins. And so basically it's our body can handle so many toxins and it can take them in and it, our body has a very intricate way of excreting environmental toxins to say, Oh, that's not you. And that's not helpful for you. So we're going to get rid of that. Um, but if we overwhelm our, sim our system mm -hmm. with too much toxicity, then our body becomes burdened with all of these toxins. And that's when we start to see things like um, our hormones being disrupted and maybe our skin breaking out. Um, it could be brain fog, fatigue, all that kind of stuff uh, can come from that. So quick re recap of all of them. Yes. So <laughs> the five pillars with a bonus sixth is they are, excuse my language, they are um, food, Movement, stress reduction, or stress managing your stress, holding your stress appropriately. Um, relationships, sleep, and the bonus is environmental toxicity. Okay, yeah. so that's kind of the nutshell in terms of functional medicine. There's a big thing that within our body that all of this sort of impacts or hinges on, and that is our, I would love to see if anybody could guess this, but that's our microbiome. Okay, so let's talk about the microbiome. Yeah. So the microbiome is basically your – my husband actually tried to um, recap what the microbiome was to me one time, and he said, oh, it's like your unique bacterial profile. And I was like, yeah, that's actually kind of true. It is. So basically we are covered in microbes everywhere, all over our body, and actually um, – scientists will say that we our body weight is actually over half made of microbes and not our own human DNA, which is crazy, and that wow. we have more microbial DNA on us than we do human DNA, which, <laughs> again, you want to talk about another radio show, we could go into, like, all of that type of research, which is fascinating. But basically, our body and our microbes, they interact with each other, and, and our microbes are communicating with our human cells, and they're basically um, almost 
not controlling, but they're helping us navigate our environment. And they're all of the things that we're coming in contact with. Our microbiome is helping us decide what's me and what's not me and what's good for me and what's not good for me. And it's helping the body do all of these really intricate processes that keep us alive every single day. Uh, so the thing about our microbiome um, that I want to talk about. So there's a few things that our microbiome or that's true about our microbiome, um, if that's making sense. So with microbiome, again, um, bacterial profile all over our body, it's typically housed within our gut. And so you hear a lot about your gut microbiome. Mm-hmm. That's where most of our microbes are associated. And so Which that's where food becomes important. This is yeah. where food becomes yeah. important. So there's a link between your gut and your brain, which is why what matters, it really matters what you put into your gut because mm-hmm. that does affect the way that you experience the world. Um, and it, it can affect your mood. It can affect fatigue, brain fog, concentration, mm-hmm. the ability to absorb new information, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your food is dictating that. Now, we typically wreak havoc on our microbiome through all kinds of different things. So um, that could be through um, like antibiotics is actually a really big one, but it could be through pesticides on our food. Mm-hmm. It could be through too much alcohol. Um, so all these things mm-hmm. are detrimental to your microbiome. Now, the reason we need to have a healthy microbiome is because the more diverse your microbiome is, the more resilient you mm-hmm. are. And actually you then, you and your brain and making all these decisions, you don't have to do anything. You can trust that your body has this natural wisdom to be able to handle whatever comes its way. So I want to talk about a few truths of your microbiome, if that's all right. Um, so a few things, and and I want you, as I go through these, I want you to think through what we just talked about in terms of functional medicine. So first thing, things first is that diversity matters to your microbiome. So it wants to have all kinds of different bacteria. There's also something called a mycobiome, which is your fungi and your fungi fungus profile uh, within your body. We won't talk about that so much today, but that's more of a new thing. Um, And the more diverse it is, the better because it maintains a balance. Um, So if you come across what's known as like the bad germs, um, well, we all have maybe harmful uh, microbes within us, but we have enough of the good um, or the helpful, useful microbes that they balance each other out and they keep each other in check. So diversity matters. The second thing is we protect it by feeding it properly, which we just had have talked about with food. It loves to move. And so when we move and we exercise, it actually gives these microbes um, energy and oxygen mm-hmm. um, to be able to do, do their thing. It's very, very sensitive to stress. So Leah, you just said, you know, when you're stressed because your stomach hurts and you can feel it coursing through your veins. Well, that stomach thinking about it, it's like, yes, (laughs) that we have an adrenaline rush that goes into our stomach and adrenaline, like high adrenaline, chronic adrenaline, um, and our microbes don't, they don't play nice. Mm. Um, and so, so stress really affects it. It's restored by sleeping. And so most of our repair that we do in our own bodies, it doesn't happen when we're up and about. It happens when we're sleeping. And I just think that is so cool that every night when we go to sleep, it is like, I don't know how, how long you all sleep, but hopefully around eight hours, seven or eight hours. Um, it is seven to eight hours of pure healing in your body. Every, every day you have a reset on that. And I think that's cool. 
It's constantly changing, so that's the next one. Uh, Your bacterial profile, your microbiome is constantly changing. It's looking different all the time, depending on um, where you go, what you eat. Again, like if you're an alcohol drinker, how much you drink. If you're a smoker, that's changing it. Um, What I think is really cool about this is there's a phrase, you are what you eat. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think you are where you eat, too, because... If you think about it, let's, you know, I grew up in the United States. Uh, Leah grew up all over the place. <laughs> um, and that's where most of my microbiome has grown. And then I moved to Scotland and now I'm here. And my microbiome is now connected to the local place that I am, right? Because I'm picking up all these things from the local environment. Um, so, yeah, it loves to be loved. So mm-hmm. care about a microbiome, um, chemicals wreak havoc on it. So the more chemicals we have in our body, our microbiome is, is the one that, that feels that mostly, and it doesn't appreciate too many human technological interventions. So yeah. again, um, and I don't want to knock antibiotics because they are life-saving when they're used appropriately, mm-hmm. but we live in a day and age where antibiot- antibiotics are given out. Mm-hmm so widely and for so many things that actually our bodies don't like an overwhelming um, intake of those. Um, It doesn't really like alcohol. Um, It hates when we, when we, um, I don't know, do all kinds of stuff to it. So, yeah. And it's, I mean, you can feel it, right? You know, if you, if you're doing things that, if you're very stressed, you don't feel very good in your body or even, or then if you start doing things that are really good, for example, like exercise, like I have to remind myself to actually be like, well, I'm going to go exercise, not just because like, I'm just going to make time for, cause I know I will feel so much better like afterwards. And I like, I'll feel that energy, you know, and that links to what you said earlier with it actually, yeah, it benefits our biome and like makes like us, us active and us like, I don't know, feel well. That's right. I guess. So it's, it's part of like well being as yeah. Yeah. So. That's exactly right. So, our microbes and the microbiome. So if you have read anything from any kind of person in functional medicine, and even if you haven't, I think this idea or this concept of the microbiome is really becoming more popular. We know that it takes about 20 years from for research to get to practice. And this research started to come out in really in, in big sweeps in 2007. So that's about right for this to kind of be on the leading curve of of our language and what we're talking about. Um, And if you work in the field of functional medicine, you are constantly speaking microbiome language because we know that if we can get the microbiome to be really healthy and diverse and robust, we know that we can create, that we can create environments for people to be really healthy and resilient to the world. So in my whole experiment and journey with functional medicine, I started thinking, well, those microbes are not so different than the microbes we find in our soil. Mm-hmm. And actually, let's look there for what can be healthy for us. And so I did, and I found a number of really cool things. Um, and I just want to share, if it's all right, a couple of, of studies that I kind of kind of came to. So two things, two different studies that I wanted to talk about. And then I'm going to talk to you about regenerative agriculture at the end of this. So, um, 
There was a study done in 2004, and I'm probably not saying this correctly, so if we have any science folks out there who are who study um, microbiology or anything like that, mm-hmm. send me a message and let me know how to say this. Um, but they, this doctor called Mary O'Brien injected a soil bacteria called Mycobacterium vacae, vacae? maybe, into her lung cancer patients um, to see if it would help them with their cancer treatment. And so she went through with this experiment. She found it didn't actually change any of the cancer treatment, like any of her cancer um, diagnoses. But there was another side effect that happened, and that was that her patients reported being happier, expressing more vitality. They had better cognitive functioning. And so in all of this, what she found was that this soil bacteria, this um, MVAC is what they call it, um, that's found in the soil is actually something that can really help us to be happier, more vibrant. Um, and I, I sometimes wonder, is that because maybe then we're more connected to this place on earth? Um, I don't know. So mm. I thought that was just really fascinating. I'm, I'm really interested in all the whole topic as well of, um, the way our, our health system or our hospitals, uh, in the modern world are built a very, um, I think very sterile places rather than having more nature-based um, or having nature as part of elements within it. So, for yeah. example, there's studies that show, for example, if you have more pictures, just even pictures of nature or windows that look yes. outside into green, that can help people get healthy quicker yep. than if it's just a very like white, sterile room with like really bright lights. So we actually need that connection to our earth and that nature mm-hmm. to to heal us as well. And that poses a lot of question to, well, how we our, how is our world and our health system current functioning? And is it really functioning to the best to heal us rather than to just treat symptoms from an outside? Yeah, that's exactly right. So if anyone's interested in this, it's called biophilic design. And yeah, Leah, that's exactly right. The way we the way we're connected to nature can heal us and in the more nature we have within our daily lifestyles um the healthier i think we become so mm-hmm. yeah you're exactly right the other one that i thought was really interesting was a study that was done an asthma study that was done for farm raised children versus city raised children and this was done in bavaria mm-hmm. so this study found that bavarian children uh well, basically, it looked at the respiratory tracts of farm-raised children and city-raised children, and they found that those children who grew up on farms had a more diverse microbiome within their lungs. And so we don't often talk about a lung microbiome, but uh, they found that they had a lower incidence of asthma and allergies. So basically, what this is suggesting is that the experience of being outside in nature connected to some of those microbes... Mm-hmm. Um, they produce a healthy immunologic response within mm. these the bodies of these children. And so those who are connected outside in nature and they're getting their hands dirty, they're on the ground, they're rolling in the dirt, um, they're playing with farm animals, all that kind of stuff actually has a very positive effect yeah. on a child's immune system and their microbiome. So definitely, especially I think that also links so much to like that whole nature connectedness and nature connectedness as a child links so much to our sense of like care for the environment as well because I know mm-hmm. I personally also grew up in an area like where I had a lot of nature surrounding me where I played outside a lot like 
I've never, like in, in my home, we've never really had a television or anything when I was younger. I, it just wouldn't be a thing to watch television. Like I'd go, like, and if the weather's nice, like most of the time me and my brother would just be outside playing, doing something, running around. And that, like, that's built such an important connection in with our world. Um, and I think that does make us, yeah, more... Yeah, more resilient and more more whole as, as people as well. If we have that connection, mm-hmm. and that, I think it's also it it sparks like creativity. Um, like if I'm just outside, like I just feel so much more inspired to do things and to write and to um, think. I don't know. It's just there's so much more space. So for me, I think especially that's why I'm also so grateful that here in St Andrews, when I first came and realized, oh my god, this just feels like the right place to be and to study because it's. It just it's it has everything it needs sort of so it's but it's not a city you know and it still has that so much nature surrounding it and that that is something that is very very special and very unique um and yeah I've realized as well I just I'm happiest when I'm in those areas that mm. aren't overwhelmed with mm. yeah mm-hmm. that have some natural spaces yeah I went for a walk on the beach last night and because uh, we have the gift of having three beaches in yeah. St. Andrews, and it's amazing. So I was going for a walk on West Sands, which the music at the beginning is so fitting for this. Oh, yeah. So uh, I was going for a walk, and the thought that went through my head was, ah, I feel so alive right now. Which, yeah. Yeah, like that's what nature does to us. It helps us feel yeah. alive, like puts things in right perspective, all that kind of stuff. Now, I'm just going to, this is a major caveat, and then we'll get back. I know you're so (laughs) excited to hear about regenerative agriculture. Yes. Um, But uh, there's actually something called earthing, grounding, Mm -hmm. earthing. There's a number of different names for it. And basically what it's saying is that our, our human contact with the earth actually can reset our rhythms within our body. And so it has to do with negative and positive ions. And I won't get into the whole thing, but essentially... Us putting our feet on the ground or putting our hands on the ground or laying in the grass and letting our face touch the grass or the sand or whatever it is, um, that all has incredibly positive effects on our circadian rhythms, on our immune response, on our ability to cope with stress. And I think, oh my goodness, we have a prescription pad just outside for us (laughs) all we have to do is walk outside and maybe in our front lawn it doesn't have to be going for a walk on the beach in st andrews but it could be our front lawn um or if you have a tree in your yard like go touch the tree with your Mm. bare hands um and that actually is such a gift to us when it when we think about you're making me really look forward to summer i love just like (laughs) taking my shoes off and just walking around on the grass and also like i don't know there's so much like touch that I think sometimes you even miss with just all wearing shoes all the time in terms of like stepping in like mud or something like that that's actually so like there's something yes. special about it because uh-huh. we're connecting to nature and strangely enough also um yeah where I live now in in the Bavarian Alps it's just like when I'm there especially over summer and I'm just out in the mountains or I'm like swimming in lakes and I'm doing something outside like I don't like I don't even like want to take my phone or look on anything else. I just want to like be there, and that's it's just such a like a happy space to know that you know you, we can go there, yeah to be outside really. And mm-hmm. It just it's refueling in a yeah. way that we we sometimes forget that absolutely. Yeah. 
we need. Yeah. So let's get back to microbes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I was thinking, oh my goodness, microbes are so important to human health. We don't, we don't even know. This is actually a very new area of research. So if you are a science person out there, you're thinking like, ooh, I need a good PhD topic. How <laughs> soil health and human health interact is an area that needs so much more research. Um, we need people to be looking at – we know that there's cor- a lot of correlation, but we don't know lots of intricacies about it. Um, but in my quest – to how do we live a healthy, connected, whole life? One of the things I say often in my health coaching practice is connection is health. When we can make the connections, we can become healthier. And mm-hmm. so one of the connections that I think we are missing is a is a global society kind of at large, especially our Western world, is mm-hmm. connection to the earth. Mm-hmm. And again, like I said in the beginning, most of that connection comes through our food and through agriculture. So as I was thinking about this whole connection and our microbes, I came to something called regenerative agriculture. Now, What we have in most places today, and I live, again, I grew up in the United States, and so this is quite a place to be learning about the detrimental effects of agriculture on soil. So if you think about what the United States used to look like, think about tall prairie grassland that's like taller than humans, most humans, like six to eight feet tall, and bison just running everywhere um, in massive herds that cover huge parts of the land and and they're roving around different areas and what that had done is create this incredibly rich soil and so fast forward in history a little bit and we have lots of people coming over from European countries to settle in America and they brought with them the city of modern agriculture on a global or like on, on a larger scale And what this modern agriculture has done over time has depleted our soils. And that's because we started digging into the soil and pulled up all of this tall grass and we cut down trees. Uh, We made lots of space to grow um, our crops. And then a little while later, post-World War II, we um, started applying chemicals to our crops as well because we thought, well, we can increase our yields. We started into GMO crops and all that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. so this kept and continues to unfold before us. Now, unfortunately, what that type of agriculture does is it kills our soil microbes. Mm-hmm. Um, it destroys our soil microbes that are that interact with our food and that food interacts with us. And then therefore, our microbial life within our bodies becomes mm-hmm. less and more monocropped, as mm-hmm. we would say. So if we were to define regenerative agriculture, basically what that would be is it's a way of producing food that actually recreates the soil that it forms. Now, lots of misconceptions about soil. And I'm not, a, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a soil expert. I am a health coach, but um, I, if there's one thing I want you to walk away from today for all of you listening is you can actually rebuild the soil pretty quickly. Now, why does soil matter? <laughs> it matters a lot. Like I read this, uh, I was reading, well, I was like looking for, um, yeah, reading up on soil and soil degradation. Um, especially if you, if you look at some studies saying like looking at the global r- rate of soil degradation that is mm-hmm. happening due, as a result of like crop monocultures and things like that. There are UN officials that say we have about 60 years of top like good topsoil left. I'd also like to say that that study so, is five years old. So <laughs> yeah. 55. 55. Whew. So 
soil is the basis basis of our life. It feeds us, it nourishes us because it grows the food that we ultimately eat. And yeah, and I think looking at yeah, looking yeah. at that, that's why it's just incredible that we're missing. We're not really yeah that we have to look at you know how's this thin layer actually keeping us that's right. on earth, keeping us alive in a way. Um, and how if what how critical it is if we don't take care yeah, of it. That's right. So um, if we talk about carbon really quickly, basically we have a lot of carbon in our atmosphere. We know that we hear that a lot in in uh, climate reports and things like mm-hmm. that. The thing about soil is that there should be a lot of the carbon that's in our atmosphere actually in our soil. Now, through plants and through photosynthesis, Mm -hmm. we can actually pull carbon from the atmosphere and put it back into the soil. Yeah. Like, that is amazing. We have to do nothing except for create the conditions for the, the soil to do its thing. Now, is this sounding familiar to our bodies, right? How do we create the conditions for our bodies to be able to take care of itself? So... Uh, we can actually farm in a way that, A, builds more soil, more topsoil. We've gotten rid of so much of it, and it's actually quite mm-hmm. scary um, to, to think about how much soil we've lost because of our modern agriculture and our modern consumption um, methods. And so I, I almost – so Scotland, of course, farms very differently. There actually are quite a few regenerative agri- agriculture um, practices and farms here in Fife, actually. And it shows when I drive around Fife, the soil is this deep, rich color mm-hmm. and it's thick. And there's like, you can see it, how, how thick it is. If you drive through, let's say in and around my hometown or in, in the middle of, of the United States, the soil looks gray and cloudy and you can't go and pick it mm. up. You can't dig your hands into it because it's so hard and so compacted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of that is from, again, all of these these different things that we've done with our conventional agriculture. It's actually really easy to see if soil is healthy as well. If you look, pick it up and see if they're like... Yeah, worms in it or like insects yep. living in it. Is there life there? Is there life there or not? Yes. You know? Yes. Because there's so much, in, like, it's incredible to think how much, like, you don't see it, but how many, in, how much is in that soil yep. and how many nutrients that are absolutely essential to, to yeah, to us. Yep. I think I read, what was it, somewhere, and I'm, I might get this wrong, so please don't quote me on this, but it's in, like, in one tablespoon of soil, there are more microbes than humans on Earth. Oh, wow. So, like, think about how much life that is. So much life. Um, In healthy soil. In healthy soil, yes, yes, yes. In healthy soil. So um, I just want to talk for a minute about what the principles of regenerative agriculture are. And it has a lot to do, if you think about what the list I went through with our microbiome and how do we keep our microbiome healthy. So a few principles of regenerative agriculture. The first one is least disturbance. So don't mess with it. Don't till it. Um, keep the chemicals away. Don't stress it out. And, you know, I think we can all say that chemicals on our soil have massive impacts to our human health because we ingest that and that interacts with our microbiome. It also does the same thing to our soils, uh, that it does to us. The other thing that I think is really important is tilling. So typically what we see is these m- big tractors pulling a till behind them that is kind of stirring up the soil. 
to be able to plant for the next year. However, what's actually happening when you deeply till the soil is you're breaking up um, the rhizosphere or these mycorrhiza fungi and the bacterial and, and I'm just throwing that out there in case you want to go Google that later. We don't have time to get into that. Um, but it's breaking up all of these microbial communities and it's breaking up the networks that are built beneath the soil that keep it healthy, that keep it in place, that keep it um, collecting rainwater and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I've heard people say that if you could do if you could take away one practice from modern agriculture, what would it be? And most people will say it's more detrimental to till your soil than it is to put chemicals on it, which I think is wild. Oh, wow. I've I think it's wild. That now, that's for the soil. Um, how that inter- interacts with human health, I think we'd ha- probably have a different answer um, mm-hmm. because those chemicals stick on food. Yeah. And so it's more or less that's just thinking, what is it about the soil? So least discernments. The second one is living root. And so always having something growing in your soil. I think when we think about, um, you know, keeping your soil fallow or letting it rest, Mm -hmm. well, we let it rest by replenishing it, right? Mm -hmm. So think about self-care. Self-care is not like sitting around doing nothing. (laughs) Although sometimes you might need to do that. Um, It's also not gorging yourself with junk food. It's not going out and getting wasted. Like it self-care isn't those things. It yeah. is. How can I re-nourish myself mm-hmm. to be ready to give again? And so there's a lot of practices that um will essentially say, okay, so you grew this crop and now we're going to crop in the off season with something else. It's going to put back what this crop that I grew in season took away. And so it's replenishing um all kinds of different mm-hmm. nutrients to the soil so that in the next growing season, all of that's replenished. Um, the other thing is that roots are incredibly important to keeping that soil porous. And so if we think about rainwater, I mean, how uh, you, anybody who's paying attention to anything in the in our climate knows about flooding mm. and how dangerous flooding can be and how all of these areas are flooding so much more that used to never flood. People are seeing these you know, hundred year floods every 25 years mm-hmm. or something, you know, or yeah. every other year. I don't know. Like, um, and, and things like mudslides and yes. soil erosion and, yeah, and all that's of those exactly right. movements that we, yeah, we see, we see in the earth and actually so interesting to see as well, how, how, like how plants and how the soil kind of so interlinked because they're holding the soil, mm-hmm. but it, the more we kind of, yeah, deforest and degrade the land yep the the more that soil is kind of stripped bare that's right and nothing happens to it yeah then yeah yeah so our soil can hold so much more rainwater than we think and that has implications for flooding it also has implications for aquifers beneath our our earth and all that kind of stuff and i know we're running out of time so i'm gonna keep keep (laughs) plowing through here uh no pun intended. Uh, so soil armor is the next one. So keeping keeping your soil covered, applying compost, things like that. Integrating animals. So uh, healthy relationships with animals, planned grazing. Um, you don't find a healthy ecosystem in nature without animals. So including animals to apply compost and manure and things like that. Um, and then increased biodiversity. So instead of having a monocrop is what we would call that. So growing one crop, it's all kinds of things. It's not just cows, but it's cows and pigs and chickens. It's also, um, here they grow a lot of Brussels sprouts and broccoli and cabbage and things like that. And so it's, it's increasing that biodiversity. 
So that's just a little touch on regenerative agriculture. Now, whether or not you're a farmer, you interact with this. Mm-hmm. And I would love to just quickly run through what this looks like in action. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how do we engage with with regenerative agriculture? Um, and again, it really does affect our, our health. Um, and so that might look like buying from a farmer's market mm-hmm. where you're able. In St. Andrews, we have one once a month. And so it's not realistic to do all of our shopping there. But um, getting to know a farmer. And I think that if you can do one thing, it's get to know a farmer. Ask them what their challenges are. Ask them, what is it like to be in your shoes? Um, our farmers really need to know that we care about where our food comes mm. from and we care about how they grow their, the food and, mm. but they want partnership in that. Um, so get connected with a farmer and farmer's markets are great about that. Ask questions about your local food. Where does it come from? Who yeah. grew it? Um, how far did it have to travel? Mm-hmm. All those kinds of things. I would say grow something yourself. I think every person in St. Andrews, probably every student in St. Andrews has a window, like get a little pot, grow and grow yeah. a herb of some sort, um, yeah. grow something. Because I think if you're connected to something that's growing, it changes your mind about where your food comes from yeah. and, and how you see something. Yeah. And it's so exciting to grow. Like I know when you, when you're a kid and you, you want to almost like plant something and see it grow. Cause totally. it's so exciting to like watch it come out and like become this bigger yeah. plant. And yeah. So, yeah. So I would also say like, let's help one another think about food. And so, Again, who are the people maybe in our communities that don't have access to this type of food? And how can we be working in our communities to make that accessible? Um, How can we think about where our restaurants are getting their food from? Uh, how, and I think about this in our residence halls all the time, like where are residence halls getting our food? (laughs) We live in a food like abundance around here. There's farmers everywhere. Mm. How are we incorporating them into our universities and our schools? Um, And with that said, you can vote with your fork. So deciding Mm -hmm. where are you putting your money? That really matters. Um, And then I would say eating as much as you can seasonally, locally, and organically. And that is, again, has major impacts on all of the things we've talked about with functional medicine. It's actually interesting. It's like the whole, you know, what's good for the planet usually is also good for our health. That's right. Yeah. So... Yep, it's a good uh, good litmus test there. <laughs> and or what's detrimental for us is also detrimental to the planet. Yeah. Um and it goes so it goes both ways. Definitely. Yeah. And so whatever one that connects with you in this, like follow that because if it's again, if it's really life giving to you, it's life giving to the planet, most likely. So Yeah. So to kind of wrap up the big thought of the the question for today, you know, how can our health save the world? (laughs) Yes. So our health can save the world if we are, I think we kind of just said it actually, like if we are taking care of ourselves to the fullest extent possible, again, taking care of ourselves in a way that is close to nature, Mm -hmm. we will be taking care of, of the earth. And I think the more we can learn about nature and nature's rhythms and limits and um, practices Mm. and patterns, we get to learn ourselves. And so I think if it's, it's working together, we need to be healthy humans. We need to have a healthy earth. And that only comes when we work together to do that. So I think ultimately as humans, you we have to stop seeing ourselves as separate. That's right. You know, absolutely. we, We are the earth as well. And and looking at that interaction of what we are and how how the earth is and how we are is com- is a is a reflection of each of each other and it's not separate you know 
what's being done to the earth. That's right. Um, but then at the same time, that's also can be hugely inspiring in the sense that, you know, we can do something. Every single one of us can do Absolutely. something. Yes. For, you know, for the earth and for ourselves by taking care of, of each other, of our own well-being, and then looking at how is that reflected in the world around you, yeah. around us, and how can we actually create spaces that are healthy spaces to live in and to flourish mm-hmm. in. And yeah, that's how all of this is actually also like an opportunity because we have an opportunity to really change the way we're living on earth at the moment. And, and that can be exciting. So do. Yes. Yeah. So this was well, so Thank exciting. you so much, Leah. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> this was, wow. So many topics. I, the hour literally flew by. I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, and so many new things we, we could have like other... That's D- right. Dived in deeper as well. So, if you if you like I have the to show, do this again. Y- let us know, and we'll we'll do another one, another series. Um, but yeah, thank you for everyone who's tuned in, um, and um, yeah, take care of yourself, of each other um, in these times, and um, yeah, be kind to each other. And um, the last song that I'm going to play for today is called um, "Blessed We Are." Because, um, you know, we're pretty blessed to be on this earth as humans. And I think we should remember that. And uh, remember to, to be kind to each other and to be kind to ourselves and to our earth.